Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essay speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. We would also like to inform you of an upcoming Sexaholics Anonymous Internet Marathon. Around the World in 24 Hours will take place starting at noon Universal Time on November 29th and will end promptly at noon Universal Time on November the 30th. It's free to register online at www.sim.sexaholicsanonymous.eu. Thank you very much, and without further ado, welcome to The Daily Reprieve. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, this is Stan H. in Albany, New York, and uh, appreciate the opportunity because I'm beginning to learn so many things, I think, that uh, it would have been nice to have learned when I started attending meetings. Uh, very briefly, I've been um, acting out for over 57 years, and uh, it all began with feelings of unworthiness, um, not being a good enough man, a good enough husband or lover for my various wives. So I naturally sought uh, reassurance in as many seductions as I could, initially uh, female, and then distrusting whether my power so-called over them was effective or whether they were faking their pleasure, I switched to men. So it was clearly uh, a matter of uh, dealing with feelings that um, I just never was able to find other ways of dealing with. Uh, and all kinds of things, of course, in later years that didn't exist earlier, like chat rooms and the visual pornography and uh, various. But we've all had that story, it seems to me. Uh, at least I have. And the important thing is that um, I began to attend SA after experimenting with other meetings, other groups of uh, alcoholics, sexaholics, anonymous, uh, because I liked its clear bottom line. I'm a bit of an obsessive compulsive, and uh, clarity uh, helps me stay kind of centered. I don't do well with vagueness, um, and I have a good challenge in doping out what people are really thinking and feeling, uh, as well as expressing my own. So I started in 2006, uh, February, and uh, didn't become or able to maintain any substantial sobriety until about three and a half years ago, uh, which is my period so far. So let's see, that's about um, 12 years. Uh, uh, let's see, yes, um, 13, 14, 15. Uh, nine years, whichever it is, of not being able to be sober because I found I was not focusing on the reasons why I was acting out and the causes. I was focusing purely on uh, trying to be physically sober and saying out loud, you know, I don't want to act out. Dear God, help me be sober today. And all those things are important, of course. But the key thing for me was to identify what for, in my mind, I call the four biggies. By that, I mean my ways uh, of poorly handling four emotions, um, resentment or anger, 
shame or feeling unworthy, that was a biggie, sadness, and fear. Those are the ones that I've begun to develop some tools to uh, work around. Um, most of these tools were derived from the program, if not all of them. And uh, to me, in, in being able to not push them away as if they were evil or bad, they're inevitable, I feel, for me at least. Uh, my job is to learn how to roll with them, sort of like on a roller coaster or, or surfing or some such. Um, realize that they're there in some subtle way for my healing. Now, mind you, I haven't solved exactly how to do this. Um, I guess that's why I'm still here on the planet. Uh, but being now 76 years old, I get the privilege of thinking, my goodness, I've survived this long. Something must be going right uh, in God's mind and, and mine. So uh, uh, in no particular order, let me share some thoughts that work for me. Um, I was recently in the hospital for a stay involving, I had fallen in the bathroom um, because of some spinal stenosis that's been developing. My balance is not what it used to be. Cracked my head on the sink and wound up with a blood clot on the other side of my head, um, which they um, decided I should have removed. So brain surgery was indicated. And I noticed that over my bed, which I took a copy of, there was a little sign saying, quote, God will handle all your problems today. He does not need your help. So relax and enjoy the day. Uh, and that kind of reminds me of a most important point regarding the biggie of shame. God doesn't agree with that. He loves me unconditionally, as I image it, uh, because it works for me to image it, regardless of what I've done, or for that matter, what I have not done with my life. And I've certainly done a lot of hurt to people, hurt to myself, abandonment of my children in those years. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard to talk about it even because uh, it does bring up the old feelings of guilt and sadness and why couldn't it have been different. And it's only taken uh, this long to decide that, hey, that was God's plan. Maybe he couldn't get my attention in any other way, busy as I was earning a living and this and that. So... Uh, he wants me, I believe, to agree with him, to love myself, forgive myself at least, if not love, both preferably, uh, regardless. And so when I kind of think about God, I like to talk to him, preferably out loud, as if he was a buddy right next to me. I often travel by car alone, and so I image him in the next seat. I've noticed he's an extremely good listener. Uh, I wish I was, um, but uh, uh, my wife tells me I have logorrhea. I just can't stop, you know, too much analyzing in my head and everything the program warns us about, me, about. I'll, I'll try to keep saying I and me. Uh, and so I talk to him and I say, gee, help me feel trust in the future. Help me feel that I'm not deprived and, and give me a nudge as to what to do next. What I'm attempting to do, I think a little better than before, is to realize that I can't pray for my wife to change her opinions 
or my business partner to be reasonable. I can't change situations or other people, much less what they think or even what they act. But I can with some time. I can't do it right away, but I do have the ability, it seems, to at least divert myself and decide to have a different reaction than an immediate one. And this, of course, goes along with the biggie of anger and resentment. Um, and what I have learned is it's important for me to thank him in advance of seeing the blessings and the solution and the nudging and, and what will and best to do for the immediate future. I need to thank him in advance because I feel strongly that if, if I expect it, it's much more likely for me to notice it. It it's, reminds me of when my a wife leased a Kia recently and we analyzed the cars and the details and it amazed me that after we did that, it was amazing to me to notice how many Kias I found were running around the road with other people, you know? It's like I was focusing on it. So it kind of uh, helped me feel that the God tool is working. Um, or at least, you know, 60% of the time. There's a lot of mystery and a lot of pain and a lot of questions about how God works and so forth. I really don't care so much whether he, quote, exists. I only know that he works. He works to make me feel stronger and happier. So that's the first practice. Um, the next one is, uh, especially when I get up and I see that sign, I try to notice things that I feel grateful about. Well, first of all, <laughs> usually in the meeting, I'll say, first thing happened this morning, wonderful. What was it? I woke up. Okay. There are cats nearby to pet. My bed was warm. The weather's been nice. I'm looking forward to some hot coffee and my latest book to read. Uh, because I know and I truly believe that this helps me is what I choose to focus on, talk about, ruminate about, or even... You know, just uh, I will get more of it. Well, that's good news, unless, of course, I start paying attention to too much negative news in the media, which is one of my many vices. Um, then I get more of that. It's as if the universe is saying, oh, you're paying attention to something. You'd like more of that. It doesn't hear don't or no or anything like that. Uh, it just pays attention and magnifies whatever I'm focusing on. So it's a matter of mind control, I guess. And of course, it's not constant, but uh, uh, at least it's a goal that I find helps when I pay attention to it. The second tool that I've used uh, is to, um, especially if I'm feeling worried or deprived, I try to act as if. By that, I kind of mean, if I'm like in this universe and day like an actor, in a play, you know, such as, you know, just stretching and having a little smile and my, you know, sort of bemused, wondering what idiocy is going to happen next or fun thing or whatever. But it's as if I'm watching it rather than being so much in it. I'm, I'm front row center watching the stage, watching everything go by, you know, even meetings. And I'm on stage. I'm the leading actor, or at least one of them. And of course, the trade-off is I don't have really the chance to walk away too often, um, but uh, just just taking some deep, slow breaths, I put that on my voicemail, imaging 
that I'm feeling good. I want to feel good. I guess the old phrase in the big book is fake it till you make it. Um, and, and dealing with anger and resentment, I really truly believe, it took me a while because it sounded wimp, wimpy, I prefer to be happy rather than right, especially if I know I'm right. Oh, sometimes that grinds my teeth, but it's really not worth the trouble to try to prove myself right if the other person is bound and determined in their feelings. And, and when they get upset and when, you know, they're emotionally just about six years old, just as I am, when I get really pissed or really intense, I'm just being a little kid, which, you know, a little kid is a good, good analogy. So it helps me not so taking it personally. It ain't personal, like the Godfather says. And then I realize that if I just wait, it's amazing what waiting does. It's, you know, patience. This too really does pass. And if I really feel strong about the matter, if it's a real disagreement, I can always come back to it later. And, you know, that can be even more powerful than to try to solve it at the moment. But my tendency is always to solve it right now. And that's gotten me into, needless to say, numerous fights that have no good ending. Uh, of course, if the critique I get is accurate, and my wife, who knows me so well, she's the guru I've chosen so that we can drive each other slightly nuts for the rest of our lives, then I need to make amends. So, uh, but, but if it's other people, I had a great example the other day. I was driving down the street. A driver cut me off real fast, practically cut to my bumper. And, of course, immediately I was thinking, what the, you know, I was upset for a moment. And then I realized three things. When, when I was 14 years old, my mother accidentally, it seems, drank some poison, carbon tetrachloride. She might have thought it was gin. But we had to go to the hospital in Greenwich, Connecticut from Riverside, which is about a 20-minute drive, breaking every red light and, and no doubt irritating or upsetting everyone. And I just remember the vaguely all of that speed and horror. And, and um, who knows? That guy that cut me off the other day, maybe his, his child is sick. Maybe he got some bad news from his boss. Uh, so... I thank God that he didn't hit me, dear Lord, thanks very much. And by the way, please help him not hit anybody else. And by the time I've gone through this mental gymnastics, I find that there's no real tendency for road rage anymore. So I like to remember that because, hey, I could be right. be wrong, but I could be right. And the important thing is I want to feel good. Because if I, the more I can feel good, the less I'm likely to reach for my favorite escape from tension, worry, and that's, of course, acting out. First in fantasies, and then if I don't do something about it, it's realities. So this, this is the, uh, that's a tool that I, I think I'm, I'm doing better with. I, I don't do so well with the other two biggies. Um, I've dealt with shame and and anger, but sadness, I'm less in touch with, which probably means I need to do work, more work on it. But I know it's important to be willing to cry, to be willing to sit with the emotion and not push it away. 
And if I cry enough, I usually get a little tired, and there's nothing like a nap to change my mood. Uh, it, I, I love to take naps in the afternoon now. I used to think, oh, that's wimpy too. What am I, an old man? No, I'm, I, you know, I don't see myself that way. Um, sometimes I'll call it dream time instead of nap. Nap sounds like an eight-year-old. Oh, well. <laughs> and and uh, it's the same. So feeling sadness is going to take time. And I've been blessed by not having too many people die or too many awful things happen that way. Fear is a little tougher. Uh, when I think of fear, I think of, uh, well, what's the worst that could happen? Because I do know in my intellectual head that most fears never take place, most of mine at least. I've been worried about running out of money since the early 80s when I said to my wife, we've got to have a budget. We're spending more than we can afford. And that was, what, 30 years ago, 90s, 100, yeah, nearly. When am I going to stop worrying? You know, it's like um, I'm not broke yet. I'm not in the hospital, you know, for AIDS or some such awful thing. Uh, I'm not in prison, you know, for uh, the kind of things that some of our members have wound up in. So it can't be that bad. Uh, and that feels good. And if I feel overwhelmed, if there's too much going on at once, I, I like to take a bathroom break. <laughs> I've never been in a situation and I've asked, hey, I'm just going to hit the john for a minute. I need to be alone. I don't need to go to the bathroom. I'm made to sit and breathe and wait. And just doing that allows me to calm down. It allows me to not open my mouth or at least immediately not open it or keep yabbering away. I recommend the bathroom break, break for myself for that reason alone. And if I'm at a red light or at a slow checkout counter, that happened the other day too, and I felt a little impatient, and then I smiled to myself, and I glanced up, and I said, okay, God, another pop quiz, I see, to practice patience. It's amazing how many things get done by doing nothing if I just am managing to not try to manage it all. And, of course, this is all basic first step, isn't it? But, you know, for me, I guess I need to have it pounded into my head. It's, it's uh, just uh, something I need to remember. Um, and lastly, <laughs> great words, I try to know that when I can't do these things, all this great advice, making mistakes is inevitable. It's even desirable. I've learned more from them. If I can just do a retake, like making a movie, you know, I, I make a mistake, I can t do a retake. It's kind of like being a torpedo, which is one of my favorite thoughts. Torpedoes are wonderfully made, and they're aimed at the target, but they're almost always making mistakes. By that, I mean they're almost always slightly off course. But it never says to itself, you're a bad torpedo, it simply adjusts its course by continually referring to its internal gyro compass. So I think of my gyro compass like God. It's, I'm fine. All I need to do is adjust without judgment, without anger at myself. Uh, like a GPS, it simply says course correction if I turn down the wrong street. Because I know for me, trying to be perfect is a trap. I'll never be that way. And in fact, the feeling I should be, or even, you know, just saying, no, I'm not perfect, but 
is, is really a trap leading me ultimately to self-negative judgment and ultimately acting out. So I really can't afford the luxury, as they say, of a negative thought as much as possible, but to forgive myself because I'm often full of these, these horrible things or wonderful things or whatever. Uh, and it brings me back to being very grateful that I'm here in the meeting and I thank you all for uh, listening, and I hope I haven't taken too much time. Back to you, Dennis.